You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. On the afternoon of June 1st, 2015, Alicia Hummel, a 29-year-old preschool teacher, told her friends and family that she was going fishing off the Missouri River just outside of Vermilion, South Dakota. When she didn't return home by 5.20 p.m., Alicia's family reported her missing. Just five hours later, they were notified that Alicia was located dead in the river. She had been the victim of a brutal murder. It's been just over eight years since Alicia was killed, and investigators are searching for the person responsible. Hey everyone, my name is Derek Lavasser. I'm a former police detective and licensed private investigator. Each week I'll be covering an unsolved case in story format. Unfortunately, there's hundreds of thousands of unsolved cases out there, and I'm going to cover as many as I can, but I'll need your help to spread the word. We'll be covering everything from robbery to missing persons to murder. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my perspective on the investigation and provide contact information for the individuals or organizations connected to the case so that if you have any leads, you can contact them directly. And maybe together we can help solve some of these cases. All right, let's dive into it. Born on June 27, 1985, Alicia Marie Hummel was known for being loving, wonderful, and incredibly loyal to her friends and family. One friend told Dateline that Alicia was, quote, the definition of a best friend. She always made time for the people she loved, even when she may have needed their support more than they needed hers. Alicia was also known for her love of education, she was the type of person that could go to school forever and never grow tired of learning. Alicia attended South Dakota State University, where she was a member of the Color Guard and the series fraternity. She graduated in 2009 with a bachelor's degree in multiple subjects. Not long after, she decided to enroll in the University of South Dakota, where she would graduate with another degree in 2012. Alicia considered going on to complete her master's degree, but in the end, she took a position teaching early Head Start classes for infants and toddlers at the Siouxland Family Center. Alicia had a huge heart for children, and she loved working with them, so this job was a perfect fit. In the midst of getting her second degree, Alicia married her high school sweetheart, Tony. But the relationship wasn't meant to last. In 2014, the couple separated after three years of marriage, and Alicia moved in with her grandparents, who were more like parents to her, in Sioux City, Iowa. One of Alicia's friends explained to Dateline that while the separation was difficult, by May of 2015, Alicia was, quote, finally coming to terms and moving on, becoming independent, and finding herself again. At this point, Alicia was finishing up the school year with her preschoolers and was looking forward to having the whole month of June off from work for summer vacation. She had big plans. She was turning 30, and at the end of the month, she had a party scheduled for the 13th. She was also getting ready to sign the paperwork for her divorce from Tony. Monday, June 1st, was the first official day of Alicia's summer off. 
and she decided to spend her time outdoors, something she loved doing. At 10.53 a.m., she posted on Facebook, quote, first day of vacay, I'm going fishing. She had decided to go to a fishing spot around 45 minutes away, just outside of Vermillion, South Dakota. Alicia asked a few friends if they wanted to go with her, but no one was available, so she decided to go alone. She grabbed her fishing pole and put it in her car. Before leaving, Alicia asked her grandfather if he'd help clean any fish she caught when she got home, and he said he would. Alicia then got in her car and drove away. For the next few hours, some of Alicia's movements were captured through Snapchat and text messages. Kiloland reported that at 12.51 p.m., Alicia sent a text message saying she was unable to find her tackle box. The exact time is unknown, but at one point we know that Alicia also sent a Snapchat with her pole sticking out of her sunroof and the caption, when your pole doesn't fit in your car. At 1.06 p.m., Alicia stopped and bought a fishing license at the Walmart in Vermilion. Then, 13 minutes later at 1.19 p.m., she sent a text message about the man who sold her the license saying he hoped she, quote, caught a big one. Alicia then drove 12 miles to the Myron Grove boat ramp, a popular and isolated area along the Missouri River in rural Clay County, South Dakota. This area is so small that there are no staff members, just a game, fish, and parks employee who walks through and picks up trash. According to the Argus leader, the only road in or out of the area forks left about 500 feet before the dock. One road goes off to private properties, while the other leads to the fishing spot. If you take the fork that leads to the ramp, you will immediately find a large parking lot that is used to park trucks and boat trailers. If you keep driving toward the ramp, you'll go through a wooded area and then you'll find a smaller parking lot that is located right before the ramp. In the summer, the trees in the wooded area are thick with leaves, making the dock area hidden from the bigger parking lot and the private residences nearby. Alicia parked in the lot closest to the dock and got out of her car. At 1.30 p.m., she sent a Snapchat of the dock with a caption that read, quote, Finally, I've been waiting since fall. At 1.45 p.m., Alicia had texted a friend about how she had saw two people having sex in a car. She wrote, quote, Apparently, it's a nice day to get it on in a car midday, too, LMAO. She didn't mention anything about what the car or the people looked like. Hours passed, and there were no other texts or Snapchats from Alicia. Her friends and family grew concerned. It was completely unlike Alicia to not respond to texts or calls. She was the type of person who was attached to her phone all the time. When she wasn't home by 5.20 p.m., 29-year-old Alicia was reported missing. They had no idea that Alicia had already been found. At around 2.20 p.m., just 35 minutes after Alicia sent the text message about seeing people having sex, a Game Fish and Parks officer arrived at Myron Grove to clean up the area. As he was pulling up, a dark-colored sedan with tinted windows and a loud exhaust was driving away from the boat ramp. There were no other cars around, except for Alicia's. When the GFP officer got out and started cleaning up, he noticed Alicia's body in the water, near the dock. The GFP officer notified the Clay County Sheriff's Department, which responded to the scene. Investigators looked over Alicia's body and noticed that she had wounds to her neck and head. Her death definitely didn't seem like an accident. It looked like she had been the victim of a brutal murder. But investigators wouldn't know for sure until the autopsy could be conducted. Investigators looked inside Alicia's car, which had at least one window down. They found her car keys on the front seat, but her fishing pole, phone, and purse were nowhere to be found. Neither was whatever had been used to injure Alicia. The GFP officer who found Alicia's body went through rigorous questioning by law enforcement, during which he told investigators about the dark-colored sedan. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to identify the make and model of the vehicle. Investigators also spoke to a nearby resident 
who also reported seeing a dark sedan leaving the area, but again, they were unable to provide a detailed description. At around 10.30 p.m., police notified Alicia's family that she had been found dead. The following day, June 2nd, investigators searched the river and areas around it for evidence. Not a lot of detail has been released on exactly what they may or may not have found. Alicia's family later told Kiloland that investigators said they located a pair of shoes near the scene. The shoes resembled ones you may wear in a restaurant. The family claimed that the shoes were possibly taken off because the killer didn't want to get their shoes wet. From my knowledge, investigators have never commented on these shoes publicly, so we have no way of knowing how accurate this information is. Investigators also worked to figure out if Alicia was alone when she was fishing. They checked with her friends and family to see if anyone met her out at the river, but everyone investigators spoke to said they didn't. Alicia's loved ones mentioned that it wasn't out of the ordinary for her to do things by herself. She lived her life with a lot of quote, spontaneity. She just went with things. When speaking to Alicia's family, investigators found out that she was going through a divorce, so naturally they wanted to talk to Alicia's ex, Tony. But he was quickly ruled out when investigators learned that he was more than 200 miles away with relatives at the time Alicia was killed. They also questioned Tony's girlfriend and future wife, Sarah. She was cooperative and has never been named a suspect or a person of interest. While investigators were searching for evidence and conducting interviews, an autopsy was completed on Alicia. It was determined that her cause of death was drowning with contributing circumstances of an incised wound to the neck and blunt force injuries to the head. Her official manner of death was homicide. Investigators have been very quiet about further details. They have not said if Alicia was sexually assaulted before she was killed or what weapon was used to kill her. One of the things they have revealed is that they believe Alicia was murdered on the riverbank, which is around 10 to 15 feet from the water where she was found. Before the end of the day, Clay County Sheriff Andy Howe held a news conference in regards to Alicia's death. Howe told the public that they were currently following up on leads and it would be, quote, premature to say they had a suspect. He did, however, confirm that Alicia's soon-to-be ex-husband, Tony, was not a suspect. Howe announced that the authorities were searching for a dark-colored sedan with tinted windows and a loud exhaust system. He said the people in the car were not necessarily suspects, but authorities wanted to speak to them to find out if they saw anything suspicious. Howe asked that anyone who was present at the Myron Grove boat dock on June 1st or had any information regarding the black sedan to come forward. On June 9th, Alicia's funeral was held in Sioux City. She had to be dressed in long sleeves in order to cover the bruises on her hands and arms. She also had a broken finger. These injuries led Alicia's family and friends to believe that she fought back against her attacker and was possibly trying to hold on to her phone, which led to her broken finger. That day, Sheriff Howe gave an update to the media about where the case was. He said investigators had collected several pieces of evidence from the scene, which were still being processed at the state crime lab. Howe said they had to find Alicia's phone and that leads were not coming in as frequently as he had hoped. He promised that every single tip would be followed up on. On June 24th, Sheriff Andy Howe said authorities didn't have any suspects in the case, but they were checking Alicia's phone records, looking into suspicious vehicles, and investigating tips from the public. Howe again confirmed that Tony was not a suspect. For the next few months, there was very little media coverage of Alicia's murder. On August 30th, Alicia's loved ones hosted a benefit to bring awareness to Alicia's case and raise money to help her family with expenses related to her death. Sheriff Howell told the Sioux City Journal that authorities were working the case every single day, but there were still no suspects. He explained that they would like to solve the case quickly, but they needed to take their time to, quote, ensure a successful prosecution. Howe revealed that leads were coming in, and lab results from evidence were starting to come back as well. He wouldn't say if any of the results pointed the investigation in a specific direction. 
Howe also said that they were still looking through Alicia's phone records, which was, quote, labor-intensive. Just over two weeks later, on September 14th, Sheriff Howell told the Associated Press that while the case was still active, he needed people to call in with tips. He mentioned that although some leads were repetitive, he wanted people to share any information they had without assuming that the department was already aware of it. Howe said they didn't have any specific suspect, but they were, quote, paying a lot of attention to several people as potential suspects. I came from a low-income family that was, that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The next update didn't come until December 2nd, when the Attorney General's office announced a $5,000 reward for the six-month anniversary. Still, no solid tips were called in. Media coverage for Alicia's death continued to dwindle, so Alicia's two closest friends started a Facebook page called Fighting for Alicia Hummel, which they used to raise awareness for her case. For the one-year anniversary of Alicia's murder on June 1st, 2016, Sheriff Howell provided an update. He told the Sioux City Journal, quote, We are following up on a lot of tips and leads that are pointed at certain people. It's something we're working on so often, it's still an active case. He said that at this point, lab testing on the evidence was finished. However, he wouldn't comment on what the testing revealed. He did say that the FBI was helping with profiling DNA evidence and compelling psychological profiles. The exact date is unknown, but at some point around the one-year anniversary, college students found Alicia's purse on the above-water sandbar located on the Missouri River. Her cash and credit cards were still inside, but her cell phone wasn't there. No further details about what, if anything, these items revealed to investigators have been released. For the next two years, there was little media coverage of Alicia's case. In June 2018, Sheriff Howe again gave an update. He said they were still looking for new leads, sending evidence to the lab, and investigating several suspects. Howe also announced that no one had come forward to say they were at Myron Grove on the day Alicia was killed. Howe said he couldn't explain that. He felt like the dock should have been a busy area on June 1st. And based on that text Alicia sent about people having sex in a car, investigators know for a fact that there were people there that day. That same month, Alicia's grandmother told Dateline that no one has given up hope that Alicia's murder will be solved. She said, quote, I don't know in this case if they will ever find anybody involved. We can't get her back. So finding answers is all that we have left. Alicia's best friend told the Argus leader, quote, it's important that people don't forget who she was. She wasn't just somebody off the street. She was a great friend and a great aunt. What happened to her should not define her. That shouldn't be what people remember, the brutality of her murder. What people should remember is how awesome she was as an individual and what she offered this world. In June 2021, Alicia's family spoke to Kiloland about where the investigation was six years later. 
The family said they were told that investigators put up surveillance cameras at the scene to see if the killer went back. They took around 2,000 pictures, but nothing came out of it. The family also said that they have not seen Alicia's autopsy report. Investigators won't release it because it may contain information only the killer would know. When Kilo Land spoke to Sheriff Howe, he said investigators know what the murder weapon is, but he would not elaborate further. He said that despite the extreme brutality of the murder, there were no additional clues suggesting that Alicia's killing was carried out by someone she knew. It appeared that she was murdered by a stranger and that her murder was a crime of opportunity. Howe stated, quote, There are people we have not ruled out. We do have suspects, but we don't have a case. Howe added that they have a lot of evidence and ideally they could match DNA. Six months later, in December of 2021, Sheriff Howe spoke to inform and revealed that new evidence had provided hope that justice could be coming soon. That new evidence was Alicia's phone, which was found at the boat dock. Howe wouldn't explain how or when the phone was found or if any evidence was recovered from it, but it was still big news for the case. Howe stated that he and his team of investigators were still actively working to solve this case. He said whenever new technology becomes available, he tries to use it to test all of the evidence they have gathered over the years. He emphasized that his objective is to not only apprehend the perpetrator, but also ensure a successful prosecution. Howe said that he was still optimistic about the investigation, noting that it remained active and there were still leads to pursue. The last update we have for this case came on June 1st, 2023, the eight-year anniversary of Alicia's murder. Sheriff Howe told Kiloland that there are no updates, but the case is still being investigated. He added that investigators meet regularly with the South Dakota Division of Criminal Investigation to review the case. Howe said, quote, I continue to encourage people to share any information they can provide. The case is still active in our minds here and actively discussed. Everyone here is hopeful to see a successful investigation and prosecution of the case, and I'm optimistic we'll get there. Okay, so that's where we are in this case, and this is the time where now I'm going to give you my detective perspective. It's not going to be elaborate, but it's going to be some things that I want to point out to you that maybe you can think a little bit more about now after hearing the case. So first off, I know we have to go to the obvious. One of the last messages, the last correspondence sent by Alicia was regarding these two individuals having sex in this car. We don't even know if it was the black sedan that multiple people had reported seeing, although that's the only vehicle anyone has ever seen. But let's, for the sake of this conversation, say that it is. There's a couple things that can be going on here. First off, the obvious. Did Alicia witness something with these two individuals that they, she wasn't supposed to see? They noticed her. An altercation ensued where they, you know, they followed her down to the water and, and she was killed and then they fled the area. And that's who people saw fleeing the area was th- these two individuals in this black sedan. There's also another situation here that you have to think about. There's a possibility that the people she saw having sex in one car was not the same as this black sedan. So there may be another individual, maybe someone by themselves, maybe the killer who was in this black sedan. I will say this. It is very, uh, it's at minimum interesting that after all these years, the people who were having sex down at the beach, who may be the per- people in the black car or the person driving the car who was not the couple, um, no one has ever come forward. And, and yeah, that's something that could be viewed as suspicious. But I will tell you in my experience that we have had situations where we've been looking for a specific person or we've been looking for a specific car. And then we finally find the person or the owner of the car and they had no clue 
that we were looking for them, even though it was on TV, in the newspaper, et cetera. They just, they just weren't aware of it. There's also a possibility that if the couple that was having sex in, the, in this black sedan, if they're aware that the, that police want to speak with them, they're potentially not coming forward because maybe they weren't supposed to be there together doing what they were doing, if you know what I mean. And maybe they feel like there's some ramifications if they do for their own families, right? If they're, they're not supposed to be together, maybe they're both married, that could be a potential reason why they're not coming forward. You have to ask yourself, if this couple was a young couple, I can understand it, but if it's an older couple, why are they having sex in the middle of a, a public area? But that's, that's the two people having sex and that's the car. And I know that's where a lot of people go with this case. And I understand it. It's, you, you should. It's something to think about. But I also want to point out the area itself. Okay. It's very secluded. It's wooded. And there's property surrounding the area. There's other cars that could have been in there. And there's a potential that a fisherman could have walked in or driven in, doesn't matter, and already been at the boat ramp when Alicia arrived. Now, she didn't document it, but just because she didn't text it or snap it to anyone, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I know when you look at the photo of the dock, there's nobody else there, but that doesn't mean there's no one off to her left or her right. And that also doesn't mean that she, mean that she didn't meet someone immediately after sending that, that Snapchat. Someone who she felt was a nice person, fishing as well, and she, she let her guard down and something happened that she wasn't expecting. It does appear to me that this was a crime of opportunity where she's in a secluded wooded area. As I said earlier, the trees would have been thick with leaves. You could have someone kill her in that area and then flee the area through the woods out, out to one of the properties. They would never even have to cross back through the parking lot. And I do think it's interesting that there were a pair of shoes found at the dock. I know that I said in the story, family members believe that maybe the, the, the killer had taken their shoes off so they wouldn't be wet when they killed her. I would make an argument that potentially the killer was there with the intention on fishing at first. Obviously, this person wouldn't have known Alicia was going to be coming alone, right? So they're there fishing with their shoes off. Then Alicia arrives. And at that point, based on the circumstances, based on them not seeing anyone else behind her, they wait a few minutes and then they, they catch her off guard and they attack her. And as they're fleeing the area in a hurry, because now they just killed this woman, they forget to grab their shoes. So I do think that's important. So where we stand for me, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned today, it doesn't seem likely that we're going to have someone who is a witness come forward. And if they do, more than likely, they're somehow involved. Why would they wait this long? Unless it's this couple that, you know, after getting divorced or whatever, they decide to come forward collectively. Who knows? But I think it's more likely that the person involved escaped through the woods and the best chance we have at solving this case is going to be the DNA. And I would assume there were a lot of things collected that day that could potentially have DNA on them. You could use systems and technology like MVAC to maybe extract that DNA and identify someone. The issue you run into is if the suspect is someone who's never been arrested before, uh, the DNA most likely won't be in, in the system unless they use some type of genealogical database, which they can do. They've done it in Golden State Killer, but there's a lot more red tape with that as well. Overall, I'm still optimistic about this case. I really am. Uh, it's not too old. If the uh, investigating department did a thorough job, they can absolutely uh, collect a lot of evidence at the time that can be tested over and over again using the latest and greatest technology, as Sheriff Howe said. And one day, if this person 
who was involved is arrested or a family member of theirs enters their DNA in a system or is arrested, you, we may get a hit. And just like that, we could go from where we are right now to solving this case. But that's where I stand on it. However, there's a lot of you watching and listening to this as well. And every episode, this is our first episode, I'm going to go over the case. I'm going to give you my perspective and then I'm going to leave you with contact information. So here it is. Anyone with information is asked to call the Clay County Sheriff at 605-677-7100, or you can also submit a tip online at claysheriff.org. Just a reminder, there's a $5,000 reward for any information that leads to a conviction. And as I said in this episode, I quoted Sheriff Howe, if you have any information, if you're from the area, if you know something, even if you think they, the law enforcement agency already has this information, don't assume. Call in, let them decide you may give them one little piece of information of a bigger picture that connects all the dots. You don't know. They do. So when in doubt, call in, leave a tip. You can obviously do it anonymously if you need to, and you can maybe uh, help give a family the answers they've been seeking for, for many years now. They deserve it. I want to uh, give my condolences again to Alicia's family. I'm sure they're going to see this. I know the anniversary just recently passed so we're thinking of them and we're hoping that we get some a break in this case really soon. I want to thank you guys for joining me. This is uh this was my first episode. A little nerve-wracking doing it this way. Obviously, I'm going to make adjustments as I go, but if you would like to support me and this this new venture, this new channel, this new show, I would really appreciate it if you're listening on audio, if you subscribe to the channel, leave a review, it'd really be helpful. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, leave a like. Um, it's that that's the only way I'm going to grow. It's the only way I can keep doing this. And the plan is to try and do a new case, a new unsolved case each and every week. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. So we have plenty of cases to cover. Unfortunately, I'm looking forward to doing this and I'm looking forward to hopefully down the road, giving updates where potentially this show helps solve a case. So we'll see how it goes. I appreciate you being here. Everyone stay safe out there. Have a good night.